So, you know, good morning, everyone. How you guys doing? I am so grateful to be uh, alive and well. And I just say, if you uh, if you wake up in the morning, you know, it's it's another good day. I was say, well, what if you don't wake up? I think that's probably a bad day. But anyway, uh, we're we're going to get started here. Um, I don't know some about me that uh, that I always just like to sing. I don't know why. It's just something, it's just something in me. It's something in me, Gloria. I don't know what it is. But the thing that I want to do, I want us to feel like it's family, so that we we get a chance to share from our hearts. And we, I'm talking the good, the bad, and the ugly. Are you guys ready for that? I hope we won't make you struggle. But at the same time. You know, if we could stand and sing one song, let's, let's just fire everybody else up. Amen? Well, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by blood of the Lamb. By blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. My God and me, we both agree, both agree, my God and me, we both agree, my God and me, we both agree, I love him and he loves me, all my sins are washed away, I can see, well that's not all, there's more besides, more besides, well that's not all. share, but before we share, we got an incredible woman of God that's going to share her life as well, and so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make it good and palatable. Like I said, Sarah and I, we want to share some things, but as Patricia Bless comes and share with us first this morning, I want you guys to give her your attention, but I want to say one thing, uh, it's, uh, it's a box on the back table for the question for the elders, uh, you know, don't give me no hard questions. <laughs> That's one thing. If I can ask this one, don't give me no heck. Just say, hey, we want to know what your name is, how old you are. I can remember stuff like that. But anything other than that, you know, just kind of keep it to yourself and call me later, and then we'll discuss it. But good morning, guys. I want to introduce Mr. Patricia Buss. Amen. Good morning to you, and thank you so much, Joe and Sarah. And what an honor it is to uh, to be here and to be asked to uh, do something that was kind of scary. <laughs> this is my first time, so thank you, sweetheart. So so be be patient with me, y'all. If I stumble, understand. Okay, we're family. Well, I was looking at the, the uh, information about a second wind, and uh, you know, I wanted to have a, a real good understanding of, of what that really uh, would entail. And there is a definition uh, that is provided that says that it is a phenomenon 
that has come to be used as a metaphor for continuing on with renewed energy past the point thought to be one's prime, whether in sports, careers, or life in general. So I thought about that, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay, all right. But my life doesn't start with my second win. I, I have to start with something that Willie Nelson used to talk about. He wrote this in his, one of his lyrics, and it was called The Winds of Change. And he says in one of his songs, the winds of change are always blowing. And every time I try to stay, the winds of change continue blowing. And they just carry me away. Before becoming a baptized Christian, I could readily identify with Willie Nelson's lyrics. The winds of change had blown me, had blown me just through life. What sometimes felt like torrential winds and other times felt like a gentle breeze carried me from roll to roll and through various stages of my life. First, I was an orphan, you know, in about 13 months, then a college student, then a wife at age 19, a daughter-in-law, a mother to my Albert's three children, and then two more born to our union then a grandmother, and then ultimately a great-grandmother. Um, when we think of our, uh, our children, we often don't think that we're going to outlive our children, but after uh, learning that my son, my baby, at age three was diagnosed with leukemia, uh, you know, life took yet another turn. And it took seven years of battling that leukemia before we lost our PJ. He was 10 years old when that happened. This was a new stage for me, uh, a stage of a grieving mother. Uh, again, as uh, parents, we're not prepared for the loss of a child, but our family took solace in, in something that we had come to accept over that seven years of battling, and that God loved our innocent child much more than we could have ever loved him because God was able to end his pain and suffering and we believed that God had rewarded him with the blessings of heaven. At peace in my heart, I returned to college and continued to pursue my career with the transportation branch of Los Angeles Unified Schools. I had advanced uh, through seven different promotions and was poised to test for yet another one. I felt that I had clearly arrived at that point thought to be one's prime. But sadly, I knew nothing of a second wind. Now the winds of change get blowing, and they brought a new set of bosses to my branch and to our division. With ever-increasing workloads and greater demands on my time, Although these times were challenging when I found myself in a new role or at a different stage, I thought I understood what that role was and what my purpose was. And if anyone had asked me about my relationship with God, I would have answered, God walks with me. You see, by the world's standards, I thought I was a good person. I mean, after all, I, I wasn't a bank robber, I wasn't uh, a person who, uh, you know, was addicted to drugs, uh, I hadn't done any of those kinds of things, so I was good. Ask me? Good. Okay? But by God's great grace, I now am truly acutely aware that such a response came from my pride, my ignorance, my arrogance. And it was centered in my really bad attitude. Certainly the spelling of the word pride fit me back then. P-R-I-D-E. In spite of my pride, my arrogance and ignorance and depraved attitude, as Jeremiah 29.11 indicates, God had a different plan for me a different set of rules for the rules, uh, the roles that I had, and a different paradigm for life. Uh, the second win that God had in store for me through the various stages of my life 
was one that brought renewed energy and brought a change to my terrible attitude. On October 2nd, 1994, I witnessed my daughter Samantha being baptized as a true disciple of Christ. Since Samantha was an adult still living in our home, my Albert, that was my spouse, my Albert and I were sometimes skeptical. We were skeptical at first, but we witnessed nonetheless an incredible change right before our eyes. Albert, of course, pushed me to go check out this <laughs> church because <laughs> he thought, mm, I don't know, are you sure she's not involved in a cult? Well, visited I did. Uh, I visited on midweeks and I visited some Sundays. I found loving disciples, but no evidence of a cult. Imagine that. One evening in early November, just weeks after Sam had been baptized, I was at work well beyond my regular hours, feeling deeply depressed and distressed about the circumstances that pressured and weighed heavily on all of the managers. I had begun to allow those feelings to enter my heart and my mind as hatred. I really felt hatred for my bosses. As was my Samantha's custom, she would call to check on me, and she accurately detected my heightened level of distress on that day. So applying the salve of encouraging words, uh, she also shared uh, her quiet time from that morning, which was Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Not having a Bible in my office, I listened very attentively, and I was moved by that scripture so moved that I asked her to read it again, but this time, slowly. I felt compelled to delete the letter that I was typing to my staff, and in its stead, to record word for word, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. The moment I entered the last period shall remain indelibly etched in my memory. At that very moment, the brightest streams of sunlight filled my dark, every dark corner of my office. I felt such euphoria and such peace in my heart. I was given a visual of God's word in 1 Peter 2, 9, where it says that you were in darkness, but you have entered into his wonderful light. I instantly uh, felt and realized I didn't have to hate my bosses. I didn't have to hate them, but rather, instead, I needed to understand and know what God's armor was so that I could fight the strategies and tricks of Satan. I printed out this scripture, and I went from office to office sharing with the managers who were still at, at work about this good and hopeful message. The realization that I needed to walk with God took me from the torrential rains of despair in the work environment to a place of peace and understanding. So contentment, such contentment, found through studying the Bible. So study I did. Now, I was about to embrace yet another re-roll, that of a true disciple of Christ. God re-energized my life when my daughter baptized me on January 26, 1995, just 18 days shy of my 49th birthday. My Samantha advised me that she prayed every day following her baptism so that I would become a disciple. And she also prayed that we would get a new home. That's a whole other story. But I need to share that in March of 95, we did indeed move into our new home where I still reside. Just know that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. If you have parents or siblings or friends or family members that are not yet disciples, pray for them every day with glad and sincere hearts because God's miracles absolutely do come true. Now, I remained in the AMS, which is now the turning point, until 1998, when I was transitioned to the West Region. Humbled and enlightened by God's word, 
with fellowship of disciples of my life, and with a new purpose set before me, God's second wind brought about renewed energy that resulted in changes to every role, past and present. My attitude certainly was transformed. In the workplace, I embraced and distributed this quote from Charles Swindoll. He's a noted pastor and the author of more than 30 books. And he wrote, The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is that we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people, the fact that people will act a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, that of our attitude. I am convinced that in life, 10% is what happens to me, and 90% is how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. With a new and improved attitude came changes to my language, to my tone, to the way I spoke to everyone. I set aside the politically correct accepted standard regarding separation of church and state, and I openly displayed the Bible on my desk. I posted scriptural notations on the wall, I mounted inspirational posters around my office, and I prayed with and hugged every willing staff member every day, invited folks to church and to church functions, and studied the Bible with women during lunch and or after work. I abandoned the notion to test for yet another promotion, but willingly took on additional assignments and responsibilities as required to benefit my branch and my division, all without complaining or hating anyone or anything. My new walk with God ushered in my 30th year of marriage to a very kind and loving Albert. This soldier continued until his passing on February 8th this year. Had Albert survived, this coming Tuesday, August 23rd, we would have celebrated 45 years in our wedding anniversaries. But by the grace of God and with the help of family retreats and marriage retreats, great Bible studies, uh, family Bible talks, great discipling partners, thank you, Sid, thank you, uh, I sought to become a wife of noble character, encouraging and ensuring that my Albert would be respected at the city gates and beyond. As a result, I became a more respectful, submissive, and loving wife from year 30 through year 44 and a half. A more attentive and caring daughter-in-law until the loss of my father-in-law in 2001, a more understanding and supportive mother and mother-in-law for the last 10 years, a caring grandmother to 14, a proud great-grandmother to 7, a proud physical sister to 6, a kind aunt to 8, and a more thoughtful and helpful disciple to those inside and outside my circle. Walking with God gave me the discipline, courage, and strength to share joys of my salvation openly with my Albert. And while he did not study the Bible to become a disciple, he delighted in my joy, my excitement, and my service to others. The passions for feeding the hungry had been ingrained in me in my youth from my grandmother, and compassionately also demonstrated by my mother-in-law, and now the fire was rekindled in me as a disciple. My Albert willingly encouraged me and others to participate in this endeavor. He sought donations from his friends and continuously assisted with all the preparations of the feeding project until his illness precluded his participation. 
Our Feeding the Hungry project began with the smoldering embers of a few small groups and individuals preparing sack lunches and traveling together uh, to hand out these lunches to the less fortunate, collecting in doorways, under freeway on overpasses, and in tents along the streets in various locations, far removed from our church's facilities. With consistency and prayer, the embers became sparks, and many more steadfast, generous hearts joined in to make the distribution a uh, greater number of sack lunches through more cities. And all of this, in spite of the changing ordinances, which made some of these acts of kindness unlawful in some cities. Sparks were fanned into flames when a relationship was forged with the Volunteers of America, the drop-in mission in downtown L.A., and my neighbor, a restaurant owner who provided our project hot main dishes for more than 18 months. And last, there was a lawful location from which to better serve the collective need. Generous hearts were not deterred by the eminent domain that took the restaurant gifts away. Instead, cooks from every walk of life uh, united and rallied together to meet the need. With renewed vigor, our project continues and has become an integral part of the West Side Ministry, serving more than 350 hot meals each month, next Sunday, for all of you who are listening, and more than 30,000 hot meals and thousands of sack lunches since our project's inception. My life took yet another new turn. Another new set of bosses uh, wanted to interject spontaneous traveling assignments into our management workloads, like we had that time. Having taken a mental health day vacation to ponder these new circumstances, my Albert simply quipped as I paced the floor, well, baby, if you don't want to do that, retire. So I stopped pacing. I looked in his direction and thought, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so retire, I did. And I did so immediately before anyone at work could try to talk me out of my decision. So after 27 years with LAUSD, in 2002, I embraced a brand new role, retiree. What a blessing. God's second wind energized me and provided me greater opportunities for service to my family, to others in the church, and to my community. Sadly, starting in September of 2009, my Albert's health began to decline, resulting in several hospital stays, often for blood transfusions. Thank you for all of you who donated. I know some are here. And routinely scheduled visits to doctors and clinicians. I was so very grateful to God that I had retired those years earlier, had spent quality time with a then healthy Albert, and was now poised to take on yet another new role as caregiver and advocate. Looking back, I realized that God had helped me to become prepared for this role by allowing me to be the caregiver and advocate for my son. Throughout this very challenging period, God's grace was always evident. Unlike the years as a non-disciple caring for my ill child, this time I recognized the God's grace and I could uh, see it and appreciate the gift in the people that he put in my life. I had family, friends, neighbors, doctors, nurses, and disciples across several ministries that could not have been more supportive, more caring, or more kind. Walking with God, I continually felt uplifted and strengthened. And beyond all understanding, I was encouraged and permitted to continue participation in almost every aspect of the following. Coordinating the Feeding the Hungry program, leading women's Bible groups, chairing the Benevolence Committee, assisting with provisions for bereaved disciples and their families, maintaining organized visitations to the sick and to a senior's facility, and serving as an elected president to our HOA for the last six years. Widow was not a role that I welcomed, but it is one that I am able to embrace without feelings of great regret.
My Albert fell asleep and went to his rest peacefully, without pain, and while listening to the songs of praise playing on the Kingdom's Lift CD. What an extra blessing from God. I have found, I've come to know and understand that a purpose, that there is a purpose for each role at the various stages of our life. Each role may not be welcomed, and some of the various stages may not be on a smooth path. But by walking with God through each stage and role, I have found energy, strength, and comfort. Comfort in prayer and with others or just me and God. Strength to overcome sadness by singing songs of praise. Peace by studying God's word alone and with others. And incredible energy by engaging enthusiastically in fellowship and in worship. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-22 in the NIV version has become a paradigm for my life. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. And because you are so wonderful, and I thank God for you and this opportunity today, I offer you the last part of that, which is verse 23. May God himself, the God and Father of peace, take off my glasses and read this one, sanctify you through and through, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Christ Jesus. I thank you all for your patience. I thank you for listening. And to God be the glory. Awesome. That was incredible. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. You know, as we walk through uh, different stages of life, I think Patricia has some experience. Some great experience. You know, second wind. You know, when Chuck Carroll asked me to come up with a title for for the lesson, I thought about something that's going on with Sarah and I as we are getting older, you know, and and we're enjoying it. We really enjoyed getting older. I didn't think I would. I thought I just liked being young and and playing basketball and things like that, but but I'm seeing that God has called me to a, a whole different level in my life. You know, I really want to thank you you guys again for inviting us to to come and speak with you this morning. Um, Sarah and I we are we've been married for 43 years, and uh, we have three children and four grandchildren. Uh, we've been disciples for almost 25 years ourselves. And uh, we was converted down in the San Diego church. Uh, Sarah and I would serve as the elders and elders' wife now for almost five years yeah. coming up, and which is incredible for us. Because if you know our lives, you would say, God is working. <laughs> he is truly to turn people around. You know, we are uh, in, at a new phase. Like I say, we are totally at a new phase in our life. It's called the empty nester phase. You know, and so it's, a, it's an exciting phase, you know, which... Uh, which God has given us a newfound vision, you know, for our life. And, and so as we uh, look at this vision, you know, we see that, you know, there's many, many different ways that Sarah and I have learned how we can serve. And so we're excited about that. We want to encourage you that as you get older, there's still, as you say, there's much to do. There's much to do. There's work on every hand. It's exciting. You know, as you uh, continue your walk with God, it's going to take something uh, that's in us, that God has already put in us. We don't have to look for it. It's already there. Trust me. You know, you will come up with it because God has put it in there to help you to continue to walk. And uh, and believe that, you know, as you walk this walk, you will get a second wind. And I appreciate uh, Patricia's definition of second wind. Uh, But before we start, let's go to God in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you love us the way that you do. Father, you have shown us life uh, in times, God, when we didn't deserve life. Father, I pray that you can be with us this morning, Father, and the rest of the day, the rest of the weekend. Father, that we can learn so much, Father, that we could catapult our life, uh, Father, to do even greater things. Father, I pray that you can protect each and every one of us this weekend, Father. Help us to get back home safely. Uh, Father, I know that um, our lives are in your hands. And Father, I, I know that you are in control. And Father, I pray that you can be with the... Uh, I've seen so many teens, God. Thank you so much for our children. And Father, how they would look to you, Father. Many things that kids could be doing on the weekend. But Father, at a retreat with their parents and, and learning about you, Father, is so encouraging. Thank you ever so much, Father, for the love that you've shown us again. Pray these things in your son's holy name. Amen. 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 Show, quick show of hands. How many people have been a disciple from... From, the, from at least five years to ten years. Wow. What about from ten to fifteen? What about from five to twenty years? What about over twenty years? Man, it's, it, you know what? Maybe you guys need to do less. So and I just kind of kick back. But you know, the thing is, is that I'm excited about that. That mature people really wanted to come and, and hear about. You know, walking with God through various stages in our lives. You know, I did, I did it too, Patricia. I looked at the definition for a second wind because I needed it. And, uh, and this is what it said. It says, this is a phenomenal in distance running, as she said, uh, such as marathons or uh, uh, road running. It said, whereby an athlete who is uh, too out of breath and tired to continue suddenly. This is the part I like. He says, suddenly, he finds the strength to press on at the top performance with less exertion. I like that part. Less exertion. That's, that's me right there. You know, as we walk with God through times, you know, well, you know we probably felt that. We probably felt that, in, that we was running a race that God had marked out for us. And you know what? Sometimes we probably have felt tired. We probably have felt a lot of things. We probably have felt not so excited this walk that God has put us on. Not so excited about this path. We probably, you know, have been out of breath at times. You know, there probably was times that we was tired. And you know that we needed something. We felt that there was something that was needed in this walk with God. Because you know what? I just can't make it another day. But, you know, we understood that God had put something in us that we didn't have ourselves. And Sarah and I, we experienced that. See, we may not know what it is, but we can't give up. We can't quit. You ever felt that? I just cannot quit. I can't quit on God. Because there's too much at stake. Because you get up and you fry that bacon in the morning and you know it's just not for you, it's for the little ones that's coming and you can't quit. Because one day they're going to look at God too. And so you press on. You get the breath that you need. And because there's no place else for us to go. I really love that when Peter said that. There's no place else for us to go. You know, we just keep on going. But you know, our times with God can get challenging, can it? You know, we, we say, man, that, you, know, you can walk away from the Bible in the morning and say, man, that wasn't a good quiet time. <laughs> Maybe I need to go back. You know, our prayers sometimes can be weak, can't they? Yeah. You say, man, I, I prayed and, huh, man, what was I saying? I forgot what I was saying. I, you know, I was praying, you know, and our mind drifts. You know, we can have weak prayers, no power. You know, we don't, we don't see the results when we pray. And so we need a second win. We ask ourselves, when was the last time that we, uh, we've been on a Bible study? You know, I know as a holy Christian, we ask ourselves that. When was it? Or, you know, when was the last time I even, not even to mention when the last time we converted someone. Especially as we move uh, through life in various stages in our lives. These things can happen. Um, you know, Sarah and I, we want to share with you uh, what it's going to take for you to get that second win. What it's going to take for you to press on and not just to maintain, but to press on at 
top performance. See, that's who I want to be. I want to be a top performance. That's, even when I play my son basketball, even now, I know I'm not a top performance, but I play like I am. I put my tennis shoes on. That's, I put them on at top performance. So there's something that I can do at top performance, and I know that's what you want to do. You want to do whatever it is that you do, you want to do it at top performance. You know, so it's going to take some things. It's going to take, we, we looked at it, Sarah and I, we kind of wrestled with it. We kind of, you know, shook it up and we shook it out. And we came up with three things that it's going to take. The first thing it's going to take, it's going to take, to get the second wind and walking through days, it's going to take you walking by the Spirit. Look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16, the Bible reads, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. I love this. He said, they are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. And that is so true. Here is a, in chapter 5 here, when I, I read this chapter, I was just naming things from it. And Paul was talking about us being set free. He was talking about, you know, being set free by Christ. And that's what we have. You know, we have this freedom. And, you know, with this freedom, we could easily do whatever we wanted to do with it. We could run free. But what happened with me is that I stopped, you know, doing what was right. It was easy as I got older as a Christian for me to stop doing what's right and start doing what I thought was right. See, that's a difference. Because when you're doing what's right, you're doing it because you have seen what God has chosen you to do from His Word. And that's what you want to do. Not making the decisions to do things on your own. But I know it's very easy for me to do that. You know, it's easy for me to believe what I thought was true than doing the things that God says to me that is true. You know, I can stop serving others. That's in this passage that what Paul says. He says, rather, you know, serve one another. I would stop doing that. I don't want to serve. You know, someone asks me, hey, man, can you, uh, well, you know, I can make some excuses. I can find some. You know, because I think I got a, a bag of excuses. You know, just kind of laying around in the garage waiting. I'm gonna put, it, put them to use. We could have that. We could we could be complainers. You know, we're not walking by the spirit. We could be complainers. We could stop being open. And you know, when we stop being open, you know what we do? We gratify our sinful nature. Amen. I really love that scripture. It says. So I say live by the Spirit. And then it goes on and says that the sinful nature and the Spirit are in conflict with each other. And so there's a fight going on. And I remember when I first became a a disciple, um, one of the sisters and I, we had the best relationship. We spent a lot of time together talking, you know, with our kids, doing things. And I remember one time she said something that really hurt my feeling. And it was just about some shoes <laughs> and and I admitted I had an attitude about that I had a lot of feelings about that I didn't say anything about it I was not open and so from that point on she would we would be together and she would say things and I was like oh and I became very critical of the things that was being said but I still wasn't open and I remember her uh spending time with my son, and I loved the times that my son was there, but she would say things to my son. I was like, oh, why did she say that? You know, and I wasn't open. And I remember going to a uh, women's retreat, and they say, write down ten things, ten people that you love. So I started writing. I was really excited. I wrote down ten names. Then I looked at the list. I was like, wow. Her name is not on the list. I don't understand why her name is not on the list. And um, so right after I got together and I said, uh, you know the ten names that I wrote? Your name is not on the list. I don't even understand why it's not on the list. And so we talked. 
And so she said, is there something that I said that? And I was like, yeah, that comment you made about my shoes. It hurt my feelings, you know. <laughs> and so we, um, we sat and we talked about it. And um, so silly, <laughs> and I just, and right then and there I realized something that openness is so important. As soon as we have those feelings of we feel like, oh, I don't want to hang out, I don't want to get together, you know, we need to be open about that. And so from that point on, we have the best relationship. And I knew that I loved her, but I just didn't understand what was going on. But uh, that's what the scripture says. It says that that sinful nature and that spirit, there's a fight going on there. We need to take care of that so we can move on. You know, Sarah and I, we really understood as, as we walk with God, if we walk by the Spirit, it's very easy for us to be open. But when we're not walking by the Spirit, stuff just shuts down in our hearts, and we get we get complaining, we get attitudes. There's so many things that happen, and we start to gratify our sinful nature. So the second thing is we want to walk in love. You know, to get that second wind, not only are we going to have to walk by the Spirit, we're going to have to walk in love. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Sweet. That's what, that's what I say after I read a passage that kind of hits me. Sweet. You know, you guys can try that when the, when the passage hits you. What you going to say? Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, it's good. You know. And so, you know, to walk in love, you know, you know, we have to ask ourselves a question. Do we love people? Do we really love people? You know, Sarah and I experienced a lot of things, but we understand that if, if we're going to be God's man and woman, we're going to have to learn to love people. You know, how do we show it? How do we show God how we love people? And I think the way we show God, Sarah and I, is that God has helped us to see how to love people is to pull people out of Satan's hands. That's how we do it. And there's no doubt of how we do that. Amen. Uh, it says, be imitators of God. And it says, live a life of love. Um, I remember, um, actually, I work with special needs uh, children. And uh, we were having a tea party. We had planned this big tea party, and we had invited all the families to come in. So I'm thinking it's just going to only be moms. Well, this dad shows up, and I was like, mm-mm, he's becoming a disciple. That family's going to come to the kingdom. I just loved it. I thought, hey, here we are. We're having this tea party, and this father shows up. And so I start reaching out uh, to the family. I got the phone numbers and everything, and I called. And um, they came to, at first they was like, okay, we're going to come. And then they would uh, cancel out on everything that we put together. And so we had this big event at the park. And so I invited the family. They all came. And Peter, he immediately clicked with Joe. And so uh, Joe set up a study. And uh, Peter and Debbie start studying the Bible. We would go in their homes. They would cook. You know, we would invite them over, and we just had this thing going, and we became really close. And uh, we spent a lot of time with them, and uh, and they became both became disciples. And so their special needs daughter, a year later, now she's a disciple. And um, so it's just been really great being with them, spending time with them. Also, um, it's so neat because now they've been in the church for about three years, they lead. They were in our group. Now they lead a group, and we're a part of their group. <laughs> and so it's been great because we do. We spend a lot of time together, and I, and I feel like they're reaching out and bringing their friends in. And so I feel like this is really uh, great how God, you know, pulls us together, and we can. It says be imitators, you know, and live a life of love. And I feel like uh, the life that. The way that they're bringing people in now is just such a great example. Amen. 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 And you know, the thing that Sarah and I has found out too is that when when we're in other people's lives, we love each other even more. Yeah. Because we don't have time to be bickering about our lives. 
It's not how that works like that. But, you know, I really appreciate, you know, walking in love and understanding what true love really is, is to love others. And the last point is uh, walking in wisdom. You know, if you're going to get that second wind, to walk this walk that God has called us to walk, you've got to walk in wisdom. Look there in Ephesians 5 and verse 15. It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And see, the Bible says, what makes us wise? You know, especially as we get older, I've seen the hands go up of people who have been disciples for a long time. And you believe that, sometimes we believe that to be wise is because we've lived a long time. You know, I know some old fools. I'll be honest with you. Just being old doesn't make you wise. You know, but what does it? What makes us wise? You know, in Proverbs twelve fifteen it says that you're wise when you listen to advice. You know, in Proverbs nineteen twenty it says that advice makes you wise. And I believe that's what God wants from us. He wants us getting advice. In that scripture Joe read in Ephesians, it says, it says be careful, but it says be very careful in how you live. And I know it was a point in, uh, when we were living in uh, San Diego, and uh, we had to make a decision because Joe he decided to go back into the military. And so, um, in the place where we got our orders, we didn't have a church. Actually, we got two places, and we just didn't have a church there. And so, it's like, dang, man, we don't have a church. And so, one of the places was Honolulu. I was like, ooh, yeah, like, Hawaii? <laughs> I was like, I want to go there. <laughs> and so, uh, the thing about it is, not having a church, we was like, oh, no, we're not going anywhere. We don't have a church. And so we immediately got together, uh, and we got advice. And we, it says, many advisors. I mean, we went everywhere. Uh, we was with um, um, Gordon and Teresa Ferguson um, and the Bromleys. We got together with a lot of couples, you know, just to figure out, you know, what we wanted to do. And we came up with a plan. And I remember uh, Joe getting together with Ron, and he said, okay, brother, these are some things that you could do. So we got together, and you just need to lay out this fleece. And so then Joe began to, then we began to plan and, and get more advice. Mm-hmm. You know, it was amazing because once I laid this fleece out, I, I, I was a young Christian. The reason why I got out of the Navy is because I got some advice. Mm-hmm. He told me, this, you, you're just a young Christian. I love the Navy. He said, you're just a young Christian. You haven't been a Christian now for about eight, nine months. It was time for me to re-enlist. He said, maybe it's time for you to get out. And it's just, you know, strengthen your walk with God. And that was a scary time for us because getting out of the military, that means that Sarah was a home mom. That means we didn't have no income. You know, I wasn't thinking about unemployment. <laughs> you know, and so I got, I got out on advice, and truly enough, God really blessed it. But like I said, we, I laid this fleece out before God. Certain things that I wanted to be able to take care of my family. The first thing was I didn't want to go anywhere where there wasn't a church. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to go, but I wanted a place for my family to live. I wanted to be able to, you know, uh, uh, have a, 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 not only a home, but I wanted to rank. Because, you know, if you go in the military, it's all about rank. And they say usually if you get out, you lose rank. That's so why I didn't want to lose any rank. I want to go back the same rank. And that was hard to do. And the last thing was I, I wanted to, a little piece of money because I was broke. And so I, I, wanted to, I wanted, you know, to make that happen. So those things happen. You know, when I, like Sarah said, we, we, was, we was slotted to go to Hawaii. And that Sunday, there was a couple walked across the stage, Brock and Ann Roby, and they says, 
we're getting ready to go plant the church in Hawaii. It was like, amen. Went down, you know. Second thing what happened is I called my, my detailer and I asked him, I said, well, what is the housing situation like in Hawaii? He says, you know what? You, can't, you have to live on the base when you go there. So they will have a house for you. That you live in temporary lodge for 10 days and then they take you to your house. I was like, yeah, that's the second thing, you know. Third thing, the third thing was, uh, okay, we need uh, uh, my rent. And I was called back, I called my detail again, he says, guess what, man? He says, they're going to take, they're taking the, your rate, your rating back into the military that you get the same rank that you had. I was like, okay, there's one thing left. Hey, let him in here. He, he knows where the class is at. Let him, let him go. <laughs> and so that happened. And then the last thing, he called me back. He said, oh, yeah, by the way, I forgot to tell you something. You have a $3,000 signing bonus when you come back in. I said, this is totally God. I went back to the elder. Him and I, we fell on our knees. We prayed. He said, this is totally God for you to go back into the military. Sarah and I went to Honolulu. We got some advice about where to live. They said, we want you to live in Pearl Harbor. Sarah and I went to Pearl Harbor. It was only four of us. There was a lady that Sarah had converted, a friend that I had converted. It was four of us in Pearl Harbor. That was the first year that we was there. The first month that we was there, we was in a, in a, in a circle of 40 people. When Sarah and I left there three years later, we had a ministry of over 200 and some people that was faithful to God. We knew that was from God because we got advice. See, when you're walking in wisdom, wisdom, you get a lot of advice. If we could tell you anything, those are the things that it's going to take to get that second win. And when you get that second win, you get excited. You get excited because you see that God, not only does He start to answer your prayers, but you start to run at top performance. You know, you start to, like I said, you, you just lace your shoes up. If you lace those shoes up with God, you lace them up at top performance. Second wind is an incredible thing, guys, that we can get. We can get that, and we can use that, and we can really be successful in all that we do. We love you. We thank you for this time. Uh, you guys have a great, great weekend.